0: Bank stocks are trading at very low valuations. This week, their stocks have dropped even lower as investors brace for a potential second wave of COVID-19. To make matters worse, the Federal Reserve released the results of its stress tests and the report cards were not all pretty. So it begs the question, are big banks obsolete and will 2020 become the year of the new FinTech, Challenger Banks. In this edition of FinTech Friday, prime time for Challenger Banks. I'm Silvio Tavares here in San Francisco on June 26th, and this is FinTech Friday, brought to you by Cardlinks. Chase, Wells Fargo, Citigroup, Barclays, These are some of the best known and largest banks in the U.S. and around the world. But you wouldn't know it by looking at their stock prices this week. Many of these banks are trading at only 1.2 times their book value. In other words, investors are valuing these banks at only 20% more than the net value of the assets on their books. That's because investors are very, very concerned about the future of big banks and the risks that lie ahead for the banking sector. After all, many consumers are unemployed right now, and they may default on their credit cards, they may default on their mortgages, and they may not pay back their car loans. And if that wasn't enough, the Federal Reserve this week released the results of stress tests, and all was not well. But one of the biggest fears of the market is competition. A whole new breed of fintech companies has emerged to challenge the dominance of traditional banks. These companies go by the title of challenger banks or fintechs and they have exotic names like Klarna and Cabbage and SoFi. These new kids on the blocks have all the sophistication of the old banks, but none of the legacy costs like bank branches and high levels of regulation. Today on the show, we have one of the arms dealers to the challenger banks. And by arms dealer, I don't mean someone who's running arms. I mean a technology provider. After all, the challenger banks need weapons to compete against their deep-pocketed legacy competitors. And the technology company providing many of these weapons is called Card. And the company is based in New York, the financial capital of the world. Card provides loyalty and digital engagement solutions for banks. And Ben McKinnon is their CEO and founder. Good morning, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well, Sylvia. How are you? I'm doing great. And you are in New York today. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I've been um, sheltering in place just outside of New York City, where CARD is based, but have been here for about the last two and a half months or so.
0: New York is traditionally the financial capital, the financial center of the world. Card works with many of the leading banks, both traditional banks and challenger banks. One of the things that we've seen during coronavirus is that many traditional bank branches have been shut down. And more recently, we're hearing about news of traditional banks reducing credit lines, even canceling accounts. Are challenger banks using this opportunity to gain market share with consumers versus some of the more traditional banks that are encountering challenges in their operational model?
1: Yeah, I'd say definitely. You know, a lot of the traditional banks are being hit hard especially during this crisis and that not only like as you said consumers aren't going to be able to pay their credit balances, but then the banks have a lot of pressure on on other lines of their business like businesses not being able to pay their mortgages and things like that. And so they are cutting back, but the challenger banks, more digital focused banks, that don't have all of those additional costs that issue debit cards as opposed to credit cards are really seeing a ton of growth during this time for a lot of our partners in kind of this challenger bank segment. They've been seeing two to three times faster growth than what they are experiencing pre-COVID, and I think one of the reasons is that consumers are realizing that they really, you know, they don't need that bank branch. If they can work with a challenger bank and do it all from their phone, that is something that kind of fits perfectly with with today's time, and so they're they're really seeing a lot of growth which you know, it's great for them and in turn is is a solid thing for our business as well as there are a lot of our, our main partners.
0: And how do challenger banks uh, or neobanks, as they're sometimes referred to, how do they think about digitally engaging with consumers? What is different about the way they approach consumers?
1: Sure. So the challenger banks started as a way to Make it easier for any consumer to be able to open up a bank account, or you know whatever it is that is kind of their particular niche. And so, not only do they do they have to think about digital from like an acquisition perspective, but also from an engagement perspective, and making sure that they're providing engaging features to their customers. Rewards and offers are becoming an increasingly more like larger focal point for their businesses, especially as they've. You know, started to grow and mature themselves as businesses, they need to continue to provide more engaging features to those customers. And rewards and loyalty and offers are a great way for them to do that, to make sure that they're staying top of wallet for that customer.
0: And, and can you provide some examples of how these challenger banks are doing it? I mean, is it as simple as, well, if I go to a traditional bank like Chase, um, I have to go into a branch to open an account. But for a challenger bank, I can just actually open that account online. Is it as simple as that? Or are there some other examples of how basically these neo banks are doing it better and, and more easily
1: uh, online? So that's one aspect of it is that you're eliminating that friction for a customer to be able to open an account. But then also by eliminating those bank branches, they're also drastically decreasing their costs. And then they're able to pass that off to the consumer. So they're really able to charge a lot fewer and much cheaper fees if they do charge any fees at all. Also from a um, affordability standpoint for a consumer, if you're not going to be charged as many fees opening up a challenger bank account as uh, opening up a a Chase or a Wells Fargo account, then that's another big value add and a big sell that they have. And then also they're really focused on their mobile experiences. For most of these challenger banks, they're early on in their product life cycles, and they really only have one or two products that they're really pushing to you. So they're really, really focused on making those the best experiences possible. Um, And that's another way that they really stand out.
0: Makes sense. Now you talked about the product roadmaps um, and digitally engaging consumers. Um, how important are card linked offers to these neo banks? And you know, those card linked offers are where the consumer enrolls their card typically in a mobile banking app, and then they're receiving discounts from select merchants and just yeah. activating it on that card. How important are these card linked offers to the product roadmaps for these challenger banks?
1: Sure. Out of our partners, they're really very focused on it. And you know, the the typical customer at a at a big bank probably has a larger account. They're not going to be as focused on getting an, a couple additional percentage points on a on a you know their next coffee or their next cheeseburger. Whereas the consumer that's using a challenger bank is much more focused on those those deals on getting that percentage back. So those consumers are really focused on their on their rewards and on getting deals everywhere that they can. So in turn, these challenger banks are really focused on making that a core aspect of their product.
0: And one of the things I've been noticing recently, um, and we, we experienced this at the Cardlinks Association, and many of the challenger banks are from Europe um, and um, many of uh, the new banks have established themselves there. Well, what's in the water over in Europe? Like, why is it that um, we're seeing all these banks coming over from Europe and driving fintech innovation when traditionally, you know, we really thought about the US and places like New York and Silicon Valley as the key drivers?
1: So, you know, I think one of the things is that in Europe, people travel to different countries all the time. It's so easy. It costs 50 bucks to hop on a plane and go to a, to another country. So I think in Europe, there was just this really big opportunity for there to be a European bank as opposed to a, a UK bank or a Spanish bank. And so I think that was one of the big values and why, why a challenger bank was really able to, to grow and grow really rapidly over there. You know, there's a, a handful, and there are still a couple of the largest digital banks in the world. And then, you know, it's just really tough to create a bank in the United States. It has been really hard and still is really hard to get a banking license, like a national charter. And so I think it was tough for uh, some of the early kind of quote unquote challenger banks in the United States to make the economics work. But I think a lot of the European players that are coming over here, as well as a lot of the, the U.S. companies that have launched and have built good businesses so far, They're really finding ways to make that work. You know, I actually think, and we hear in a lot of our conversations with the biggest digital banks in the country is that CardLinked offers is actually a great way for them to continue to improve their margins and make it so the economics really do work for them to build a successful bank here.
0: And specifically for Card, your company, how do you actually help these challenger banks drive customer acquisition and loyalty? What's the silver bullet that you provide to these guys to make them even more effective in the U.S. marketplace?
1: So I wouldn't say our platform is really designed on the acquisition side, but really more on the loyalty and engagement side. I think what most of our partners see in CARD is that we're one central place for them to integrate into that's PCI compliant, has a SOC 2 certification. They don't have to worry about their data on that front and on the security side. Um, but one central place for them to integrate into in order to get access to a full suite of offers. It's really the the speed to market as well as the robust solution that we're able to provide to them to make it so that whenever their customers are shopping, they have the chance to earn some extra cash back, making sure that we're ingraining in that consumer to use that card whenever they're whenever they're shopping.
0: 2020 has been a year of dramatic changes in part due to COVID-19. If I ask you to look into your crystal ball and look at the balance of 2020, what do you think is going to change in banking? What's the biggest thing that consumers are going to remember about 2020 and how it changed the way they use their card and and their bank?
1: Sure. So we've hit on this a couple of times, but really it is in that digital engagement. Consumers are discovering that they really don't need to go into a bank branch. Now, maybe if you're a small business, it makes sense to have that, um, have that relationship with the banker. But if you can do it all from your phone, what's the point of having to necessarily go into a bank? COVID is really accelerating that change to where consumers are realizing, I don't need to go into a bank to open up an account. I can do everything from my phone in a beautiful experience on my, on my phone and get all of the value that way. I also think that a lot of the big banks are going to start to realize, if they haven't already that they don't necessarily need to incur all of those additional costs. I was listening to a call with the CEO of one of the top banks in the country recently, and he was saying that one of the things that they're doing and COVID is accelerating it is how they're looking in their own real estate investments. And not only from like bank branches, but then also, you know, the massive buildings that they all have in New York City, looking into whether or not they need to continue to have these huge buildings in New York and force employees to all be in New York where rents are astronomically high. So. Really, I think it's that consumers will be interacting with their banks digitally, and banks are going to start to uh, realize that they can cut costs even more so than they have been in the past, which in the end, I think is is good for the banking ecosystem as a whole.
0: Right, and and probably good for consumers as well, as you pointed out. Ben, thank you so much for the time today. Um, some really great insights. I I wish you and your family and your whole team continued health and a great balance of 2020.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Silvio, you as well. And hopefully we'll get out to see you in person again uh, once all these restrictions are lifted.
0: Absolutely. I look forward to it. That's uh, Ben McKinnon, the CEO and founder of Card, talking to us from New York. Coming right up, some closing thoughts on the future of banking. Now, I've been in the financial services industry for the most of my career, and that's about 20 years or so. For that whole time, every year, some expert or other has predicted that the end of traditional banking is near. Somehow, it never really has happened, and the same banks that were leaders 20 years ago are still leaders now. And that's not just here in the U.S., but also throughout most of the world. And that's because banking is hard to do well, and it has significant barriers to entry. But right now, things feel different. According to many market participants, the center of gravity for banking is increasingly moving away from banks to technology companies. For example, many people think that the most valuable financial services company in the Dow Jones Industrial Average is J.P. Morgan Chase. The largest bank in the US. That's actually incorrect. The largest financial services company in the Dow is Visa, the payment network and financial technology company. You might also think that the largest issuer of financial services accounts to consumers is a big bank like Wells Fargo. Well, you'd be incorrect. The largest issuer of financial services accounts is actually PayPal, and that's by a very, very wide margin. So the future of banking looks very much like the future of technology. And that is one thing we can be very sure about. For FinTech Friday from the Cardleaks Association, talk to you next week. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless you. This is Silvio Tavares signing off.